Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag Utah Jazz. If it's got anything to do with Vegas and JC, I think he's got a good chance of winning it because that's a good combination, those two. I've never in my life, definitely not the last couple of years coming off the bench, um, honestly thought about it. I don't know if he does. I don't think he... I I mean, we've never honestly had a conversation about it or talked about it. He's never talked about it, uh, at least not in front of our our group or anything. Obviously, if you're you're leading the race for it, there's probably people telling you that. I mean, I can tell you it doesn't affect me or or my thought going into a game. I would be pretty confident saying the same thing for JC. That's Joe Ingles talking about if there's a race for the sixth man of the year award with him and Clarkson. I think the answer to that is yes, there is, and no, he doesn't really want to acknowledge it. Well, it's very simple. You just make Joe the seventh man of the year. An excellent point by you. That would be a cooler award anyway. <laughs> because you have to find a niche. Sixth man is obvious. You just look at the points column. Points and wins, boom, you won. Seventh man, you got to go far deeper. You got to uncover things that aren't as obvious to the nude eye. I would much rather be seventh man. The nude eye, that was nice. Yeah. The race for the sixth and possibly seventh man of the year and the top spot in the West continues with the Jazz facing the Minnesota Timberwolves tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Our pregame coverage starts at 6. Jazz are getting two days off. PK, they ought to feel fresh. They ought to bounce in their step and whatever other cliche you can come up with. As a daisy. Fresh as a daisy. Thank you. Jazz and Wolves tomorrow night. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Kemba, six on the shot clock, feeling contact, launches a three, and even that goes. That was just a shot he took to draw a foul, and even that falls for him tonight. Ingram, left wing, Harris on the closeout. I didn't pull the trigger. Now he does pull the trigger, left wing, splashed it down for three. Giannis, a pull-up three-pointer, ABC. Easy as one, two, three for the MVP. Now to Caldwell Pope on the drive, tried to stuff it, missed it. Rebound missed by Kuzma, taken down by Doncic, runs it the other way, three on three, coming straight down the lane, lays it up and in. Highlights from around the association. The Boston Celtics do the Jazz a favor and beat the Phoenix Suns 99-86. to You heard Kemba Walker throwing in everything. He had 32 points. The Suns are now 2-1 on this five-game Eastern road trip. They lose going back-to-back, playing the third game in four days, and their three-point shooting, aside from Chris Paul, was horrific. 17% as a team, 6-35. Chris Paul was 3-for-7. Everybody else... Combined to go three for 28. Ouch. Hard to win doing that. Mavericks beat the Lakers 115-110. Anthony Davis returned, kind of, sort of. He played 17 minutes, all in the first half. They put him in for three, four, six minutes, whatever it was, in different spurts. He played four different times. Second half, nothing. Nothing. He just sat. So, 
He sat, and the Lakers lose to the Mavericks 115-110. For the Mavericks, it's going to be a tight race down the stretch here as the Mavericks try to get out of that uh, the brand-new play-in series, get past Portland, get into the sixth spot. Right now, they are in a dead heat. 32 wins, 26 losses, identical records. After 58 games, they got 14 games to sort out. Who's number six, and who gets the week off? Uh, you know, the thing that was most impressive to me, besides Chris Paul playing 38 minutes at his age. Yeah, right. It's just, I mean, that's just incredible that they're all into that level. Uh, Andre Drummond is just massive. He has the potential to make a significant difference, I've decided. I don't know how it's going to be with LeBron James because he hasn't played with Anthony Davis and all that stuff, so there may be some chemistry issues, as they mm-hmm. say. But individually, man, he is huge. You know, he led the league in rebounding three times, and he was very good against the Mavericks. So they get their guys combined with Drummond. Schroeder's good. Do they get anything out of Pope Caldwell, or is it Caldwell Pope? I'm not sure. KCP, I think it is. So uh, I, I don't really, I, I don't see how they're not the favorites. If they're healthy, I think they were the favorites before him. I think they'd certainly be the favorites after him. I think that he will help them a lot in the minutes that Anthony Davis is out of the game. I don't know how this is going to play out as far as how much AD is going to get to play. If he gets back to playing full-time, you know, 33 minutes a game, well, that's still 15 minutes where Drummond can make a huge difference. I do wonder how good they'll be with Drummond at the 5 and AD at the 4. Why? Because... Well, we've heard from multiple people. Steve Cleveland has beaten this drum over yeah, but, and over. Yeah, but there, that wasn't... And that was before they had Drummond to be yeah. the five. And that might swing that equation. I get it. Um, but someone like AD... Uh, just take the Jazz matchup, for example. Yes, Drummond's talented, but would the Jazz rather have... Drummond's a little more traditional and a little easier, I would think, for Gobert to to defend while patrolling the paint, as opposed to Davis, who's going to pull Gobert not just out to the three-point line, but maybe all the way over to one side of the court. Okay, then just have Drummond go stand all the way over on one side of the court. Well, they can let him, because I don't think he's shooting a three like Davis. Right. I get it. So... All right, elsewhere in the league, the Bucks beat the Sixers, and what I took from that is the Sixers and the Suns were both gassed by that game they played. Uh, it ended up being a seven-point game. Sixers were down by a little more than that in the third quarter, and I think they ran out of gas there, and the Bucks got him, and Antetokounmpo had his 27 points and 16 boards. So in the East, Philly and Brooklyn are tied for first now, identical 39-20 and 20 records as they chase the number one seed in the East, and the Bucks have 22 losses. So... Jazz now, best record in the NBA by two games over the Suns, three over the Clippers, and they are five games in front of everybody in the East. So as far as having home court all the way through the playoffs, they're in pretty good shape. We'll see. You think the Suns lose another game before they play the Jazz? Got a back-to-back in New York and a home game with the Clippers. I would stand to reason that they would. Sure, I can buy your logic there. Uh, I'm disappointed that you gave us everything as far as the uh, the Jazz and where they stand in races, and you did not say the Northwest Division. That bugged me. I, think I do. I always let you down to that. It's just a flaw I have. Purposely, then. I don't think there's no chase for any chase for the uh, East. I, I don't think either team gives a rip because the teams at the bottom suck. So what's the difference? So I mean, you look at Philly, they, Simmons doesn't play again. And you know Embiid is going to take time off. It seems like if he goes three or four games, he's down. Uh, and the Nets got all sorts of issues with their guys. So uh, whoever wins it, it's going to be virtually by default. 
Trey Young diagnosed with a grade two lateral ankle sprain. He's out until the swelling and discomfort are gone. He got hurt Wednesday when Atlanta lost to New York. Hawks are currently fifth in the East. Terrence Clark, a 19-year-old NBA draft prospect who played this past season as a freshman for Kentucky, died in a car wreck in the L.A. area. He was a solo occupant in a vehicle that ran a red light, going at a high rate of speed in the San Fernando Valley area, a little north of L.A. Struck a vehicle, was preparing to make a left turn, hit a street light pole, and then into a block wall. So, 19-year-old Terrence Clark killed in that car wreck. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. I only really felt good in one game. I only felt good in one game. Uh, from the perspective of, like, I, I had all the tools in my toolbox. So, as limited the word is, like, I, I just, I had I had a lot of limitations throughout the season as to what I could and couldn't do, and I recognize that. And, and that's really hard for a competitor. That's, that's really hard when you know what you should be able to do, and yet you can't because of various injuries or things that are taking place with your body. That's Drew Brees. Didn't hear the whole conversation, but assumed getting into why he retired. He turned 42 in January, and so he's hanging up. Hard to be 100% at 42 when you're getting hit in the NFL. Yeah, time is now, man. Catches up to everybody. Yep. Denver Broncos general manager uh, tells reporters he believes in incumbent quarterback Drew Locke, but also said that won't prevent him from adding a quarterback via the draft or trade to create competition. Broncos own the ninth overall selection in next week's draft. They are viewed as the floor for quarterbacks. Five top quarterbacks will all be gone by the ninth pick. The Broncos will clean up and grab whoever is left, many NFL draft experts believe, including some we've had on this show. I guess you don't hmm. really believe in Drew Locke when you yeah, say I'm that. Yeah, I'm not so sure. <laughs> you don't really believe. If you had John Elway in his prime, you wouldn't well, be looking to create you... competition. Oh, okay, yeah, but you that, that's an extreme example, though. Uh, if you had uh, Plummer in his prime, you wouldn't. Yeah, you might. You probably wouldn't. You probably wouldn't draft a guy. Okay, I can, I can buy your line of thinking. That was a pretty uh, pretty shallow endorsement right there. I mean, that beats we're definitely bringing someone in. I'll yeah. give you that. But uh, Tom Brady took to social media yesterday to rip the new uniform rules the NFL adopted earlier this week. Good luck trying to block the right people now. It's going to make for a lot of bad football. He was always picking out middle linebackers, knowing they were wearing the five. Is it really going to confuse him that much when the middle linebacker's wearing a... I don't even know what linebackers can wear now. Anything, a four, I guess, a three, because they can have anything from one to 59. I think those comments are sort of self-serving. On behalf of quarterbacks everywhere, especially me, the problem was that rosters have gotten so big, and not just the 53-man roster, and does that go to 55 or whatever because of the pandemic, but then the... um, I forget what it used to be, the taxi squad. What do they call it now? I don't know why they called it the taxi squad. That was always a funny term. But they're like reserve list team. I'm, I'm blanking on terms. Practice squad. Practice squad, thank you. That's a complicated Practice phrase. squad. Yeah, the practice squad. But the practice squad <laughs> became bigger, and so the position groups, literally you can have too many guys in a position group. you got 10 numbers, and you got 11 guys in a position group. also retired numbers, too. Are also and then you got to mix in yeah, the numbers they've lost to retiring them. So. 
So that was the uh, answer they came up with, and Tom Brady didn't like it. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Weaver State opens the playoffs tomorrow. Home game against Southern Illinois, 2 o'clock. Jay Hill was named Big Sky Coach of the Year this week. His team won the conference title there in the playoffs for the fifth straight year. And the problem has been uh, injuries. They've had to play multiple quarterbacks, multiple running backs, and the offense that looked really good in the first game. Made big plays, pushed the ball down the field, scored touchdowns on you know consecutive drives, had everything going. It never looked the same after that. And they were trying to eat games out, scoring, you know, in the low 20s. And they had a bunch of tense games. Uh, One, they actually had to win on a Hail Mary. Others that they won with a big stand right at the end. So we'll see if they got enough offense to get through this. What does that have to do with tomorrow? Well, I don't know if they have enough offense to win tomorrow. I mean, that's the bottom line. It's been the bottom line. a long way to go to say that. NCAA rules governing overtime were tweaked this week. Teams will now be required to go for a two-point conversion beginning in the second overtime period. The third overtime period will require teams to run alternating two-point conversion plays to determine a winner in an effort to end games more quickly. We're done with quadruple overtime, PK. We're not going 6 OT anymore. It's not... There's no such thing as 6 OTs. It's just overtime. That doesn't make any sense. And flip a coin, then, if that's what you want to do. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. The 2-0. Swung on and hit in the air to center and deep. That ball is gone! Higashi Oka, the home run stroker, hits one to dead center. 0-2 pitch. Swung on. Sent to deep center field towards the triangle. That baby's carrying out of here. A three-run check by Mitch Hanniger. 7-3 Seattle. 1-0 to Grisham. Here's the pitch from Bueller, and that is hit really well. Out to deep right field. Rayleigh going back. Looking up. Gonna go. Trent Grisham halfway up the pavilion and right at Dodger Stadium. The pitch to Hayward. Base set to right. Cubs win. Jason Hayward drives in the winning run with a sharp ground ball into right field. They win it in 10 innings by a score of 4-3. to three. Major League Baseball, several interesting storylines. The Padres and Dodgers, after a really good series in San Diego, are playing a four-game series in L.A. Padres win 3-2. Dodgers loaded the bases in the eighth, but the Padres got an inning-ending double play to get out of that and then struck out the side in the ninth, so Padres... Win 3-2 to two as they open a four-game series in L.A. The Astros beat the Angels. Houston had that massive losing streak and had lost 9 out of 10. So, Houston picking up a W right there. Trying to get it going again. Diamondbacks beat the Reds 14-11. to 11. The six-run 10th inning. You don't see that very often. Six in the tenth, and then you give up so three I'm watching in the bottom that ga- of the tenth. Yeah, I'm watching that game yesterday, and the Arizona announcers, like all the announcers, are in Arizona, right? Mm-hmm. But at least with baseball, you could hear a crowd. Unlike some of the NBA stuff going on, <laughs> where you hear the conference and room. <laughs> it's, you know they were, yeah, 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 yeah. And the the Reds bullpen this series, because I watched all the games, really does stink. And so in that. Uh, eighth, ninth, tenth inning. There's Diamondbacks are scoring a bunch of runs. 
Uh, really, both bullpens stink. I think they have uh, Reds in like six or seven home runs. But anyway, uh, the Reds are out pitching. And you could hear as clear as day, the bullpen sucks! <laughs> <laughs> Somebody ten rows up behind third base is letting it rip. <laughs> and the Arizona announcers, they totally ignore it. Uh, but you can hear it. You can hear this guy. Because you know, there's what? 5,000? I don't know how many fans. But obviously there's a reduced capacity there big time. And this guy just keep going. And you could hear everything he was saying. So I was wondering, you're, you're into that stuff. <laughs> How do we have sound where in the NBA it sounds like, as you say, they're in a conference room and you can't hear anything? You know, it all depends on the broadcast and the audio they're piping through the truck. And if they, you know, the, sometimes they have technical difficulties. I know because it's happened on the RSL broadcast. And you're getting the audio from another truck, and they're getting it from the field. And when you're doing these remote broadcasts, if you're the road team, you don't know if the problem is in their truck who you can talk to or if the problem is out on the field. You know, sometimes somebody hits a mic. You know, you see players go and and punch a a basket afterwards. Did that do it? Did somebody kick something? We saw a soccer player destroy an on-field mic last week. Yeah, you never know. It's uh, And it's what you're asking is sometimes literally what the – broadcasters and the directors and even the audio guy in the truck is asking like why isn't this working but you have so little control of it you don't really know and you're right it's noticeable and it's much better to have the effects as they like to say to have the effects pumped in so you you hear the ball bouncing and the shoes squeaking or you know the crack of the bat and the roar of the fans and all that stuff Yankees, are they going to get back into this? They're going to be patient, we were told. Their they're, uh, the general manager came out and said, we're not going to overreact. And they did get the win. They beat Cleveland 6-3. to So, got that going for them. That's nice. Picked up a win there. DJ and PK. Hashtag RSL. I expect a very tough game. We're going on the road to play a team that was in the semifinals of the West last year. Team that has changed, you know, uh, Heat uh, is building a mentality of, you know, what you've heard from him is winning trophies. And so when you do that to a team, they're typically, you know, they have a chip on their shoulder and they're really wanting to eager to prove. So it's, it's, we're expecting a very good team. It's one of the best teams in the league, definitely one of the best teams in the West. Uh, and we have nothing but respect for them. We're, we know we're going to go in there and play a very well organized team that's tough to compete with. And, but we're expecting the same from us. It's RSL head coach Freddie Juarez. RSL opens the season in Minnesota tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. Minnesota opened the season last week against Seattle. RSL had to buy because there's an odd number of teams. Our, uh, Minnesota got beat by Seattle 4-0. 4-zip. Nothing. Nada. Gave up four goals in the second half. RSL, on the other hand, has uh, really struggled in Minnesota. Been there five times, and they got one point to show for it. Had a scoreless draw last season, so... Well, when I heard the phrase when I was a kid, go west, young man, I never pictured Minnesota in the west. And yet here they are. (laughs) They're in the Western Conference of the NBA. They're in the Western Conference of Major League Soccer. I guess the NFL has it better, right? The NFC North. They got them in the right place there. Yeah. That makes more sense. And the Twins. Well, they may not be in the West forever. There's a whole theory that MLS is going to go to 30 teams and kind of copy what baseball did last year with three groups of 10, minimize travel. 
And then minute, if that yeah. happens, Minnesota would end up in the Central, and you could live with that. Right. That's Makes all. Sense. That's all rumor right now, and it's uh, probably a couple years away because they have to get to 30 teams. But there's a rumor that that is the long-term plan. So we'll see how that pans yeah. out. I thought that worked well for baseball last year um, with all the Agreed. less travel and more primetime games. And the Eastern teams didn't have games starting at 10 o'clock, and the West Coast teams didn't have games starting at 4 when they went to the other side of the country. Mm-hmm. All right, DJ and PK, What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, John Krasinski, senior writer for The Athletic, covering the Minnesota Timberwolves and the NBA, joins us at 745. David Locke, radio voice of the Jazz, at 9 o'clock. Coming up, the question of the day for you football fans. I guess there's no wrong answer to this, PK. It just depends on what people want to do. What are they feeling? Are you going to root for Urban Meyer in the NFL? You Ute fans, still feeling it or no? We'll get to that next. Stay with us. The Big Show Show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Sam Amick writes for The Athletic and joins us each and every Thursday. Individually, Joe Ingles, Sam, this guy got cut by the Clippers a few years ago, and now he's playing like uh, one of the most important players on a team with the best record in the NBA. It's a thing of beauty to watch. I couldn't agree more. Remember that old TV show, Punk, when you set up a whole skit and try to trick people? I mean, I would love to wander out to a court with Joe Ingles in, in a neighborhood where they don't know who he is and, and take a bunch of people's money, white men can't jump style, because what he does is incredible but it's so unassuming. He's been great, and they obviously have a great thing going. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, in The Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes of Toast brought to you by Jerry Signer Cadillac. Check out the bold new lineup of Jerry Signer Cadillac. It's definitely not your grandpa's Cadillac. Question of the morning, are Utah fans going to root for Urban Meyer in the NFL? Ute fans, still still got the tie to the guy after 15 years? He had yeah. two sensational years at Utah, two conference championships, an undefeated season of Fiesta Bowl, and then off to Florida and Ohio State and ESPN and Fox Sports. He's been all over the place. He's still going to root for him. They're required to. They're required. required No, they're not required to. Not if they follow the PK laws of football. Yeah, Yeah. but that's me. That's not. I don't have the fandom the way the traditional fan has the fandom. We understand that. I've been in this business too long. It chips away at your natural fandom. So you got to put me aside. That doesn't count. I'm not. If most folks in the business like me have that same type of feeling. But when you were caught up, when you were. Uh, set, uh, in Thunderbird High or at ASU, your teens, your early 20s, did you follow Sun Devils in the NFL? You don't I'm now. an NFL fan. I mean, I follow them, but I, 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 it's not about me, though. It's about Ute fans. So and who cares what I think? Ute fans, we're talking about Ute fans, not talking about me. We're talking about Ute fans. And, I think I, mean, I grew up in I grew up 25 minutes away from every professional team, and I didn't root for any of them. <laughs> so I've been a freak since birth, right? We already we've already established that. Good, it doesn't make drop. any sense. You had Charger lunchboxes and lived and died by them and cried. And I mean, I I, I could have virtually walked 
to where the Jets and Giants played, and I didn't, I never rooted for either of them. So you can't go by me. But my logic is he gave you those two seasons. He gave you exactly what Alex Smith did, and you fans feel such enormous pride mm-hmm. with Alex Smith. Yep. Well, what is Alex Smith without Urban Meyer in college? He's a backup quarterback. He comes along. Their path at Utah and everything they did in college at Utah, they mirror each other. They literally were there successful. Obviously, Alex was there a year earlier. But their success, they're tied to each other. And when Alex went to the NFL... They rooted from there's people who are still furious at the Niners for benching him for Kaepernick. So they have this extreme loyalty and felt such tremendous pride for Alex. Well, now Urban is doing the same thing years later that Alex did. So by the same logic, you've got to root for Urban to succeed in the NFL just the way you did with Alex. Next. No, you don't. Yes, you do. I get that some fans will, because some fans definitely buy everything you say. But Urban's also turned people off. I mean, Alex has been gracious at one turn after another. Where I mean, he could have blown up after he got benched. They'd been in the NFC title game the year before. They're having a good year, and he gets a concussion and he loses his job. He could have gone berserk. He didn't. Yes. He's been hammering the, the pigskins organization left and right. Where you been this week? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they deserve that. But as a younger guy, he didn't blast the Niners. No, you're right. He has blasted Washington. Uh, but I think that Urban turned people off. There are definitely people Why? who look at Urban. Oh, because of all the guys who got arrested at Florida State and yeah, the stuff at Ohio college. State. Line He's about, going to the NFL yep, now. It's true. But here's Jenny. Nope! Exclamation point. Alan Jenny, Jenny, simple, who can I turn no. to? <laughs> but then there's, there's, this is a weird one. This one I don't get. Kevin Savage says, no, three exclamation points. Not where he is at. What? Jacksonville? He's at the most non-threatening place in the right. history of the NFL. Right. They're barely in the NFL. No, they're in England half the time. Yes. <laughs> The worst expansion decision ever. They went to a team, uh, went to a city not big enough to support a team. It's like half the size of Salt Lake. It's like they've, they've been putting uh, tarps over the upper deck. There just aren't enough people in that and, part. And, well, and plus it's an area dominated by college. Uh, there's that too. Absolutely, absolutely. There's a lot of hardcore college football fans already tied in to teams with their money and their time and their passion. So yeah. I couldn't believe it when I saw that one. Not where he is at. Oh, man. Jacksonville. How does Jacksonville rile you up? Oh, I've hated them. I've hated them since I've been born. That's nice. I, I, see, I didn't root for the Jets and Giants because I was a Jaguars fan. <laughs> We're not. They didn't exist. <laughs> On the other hand, we got Scott at the total opposite end of the spectrum. Of course. Yes. And Dana, this one will. Yes. And Brent with the rhetorical, well, do Cougar fans root for Daniel Sorensen and the Kansas City Chiefs? Big time. And Well, Andy Reid, actually, above Daniel Sorensen. Yep. Uh, Dylan says, Cougar fan here, but sure, Jags have hardly done anything, and I like Meyer. A BYU fan who likes Urban Meyer. That's well, especially now, he can't take anything from you. Right, yeah. He's completely and totally a non-threat. That's why if you didn't root for Urban earlier, 
You have to now. And surely you can't be peeved that he left. I mean, Utah wasn't a Power 5 football program at that point. I mean, they went undefeated that year. What was it, the BCS? Is that what mm-hmm. we had back then? Yep. And there was zero consideration. I don't even know the teams that were in the BCS at that year. you have to go back and look. But Utah had blown through everybody, man, smoked everybody, and they weren't even in consideration. So there was a ceiling artificially put on the Utes. Mm-hmm. And even in 08, right? I mean, as Kyle, same type of thing. And Kyle voted, broke from protocol with the coach's vote and voted himself number one. There was that ceiling there. Well, that ceiling got lifted. The ceiling no longer became the roof in time for the 2011 season. The well, ceiling became uh, Mars and Uranus and every other place, right? <laughs> because you can go all the way to the top now. Well, surely you can't hold it against Urban for leaving in 04 because the system was rigged against them. It was amazing they got as far as they did twice within a four-year period. Well, now there's nothing holding them. The only thing holding them back, and I shouldn't say the only thing because we're still involved with voting. Uh, I do think that if you if you recreated what you had in 04 with a Pac-12 schedule, it would be impossible for them not to put you in, right? I think we all agree with that, even though you're still involving judges, so to speak, and it is the Pac-12, which has probably the least or worst reputation of the five. Still, if Urban were to come here and you know, in an, alt- an alternate world and they steamrolled everybody the way they did, they would be in. So you can't hold it against them. I don't think you can anyway, you fans, for leaving in 04 because he couldn't get to the highest level. And obviously he's a dude who is not going to be satisfied unless he gets to the highest level. Rod says rooting for Urban is like being happy for an ex that dumped you for a better-looking person. No, but not anymore. <laughs> it's the NFL. Just not having any of it. He's not doing it. Can't talk He's him out wrong. of it. <laughs> you did it for Alex. Alex dumped you for a better-looking thing. He left years on the table of eligibility. What's the difference? I don't understand. He did. Alex did the same thing, but yet Alex is revered. He's spoken in hushed tones. People take a knee. They genuflect. Mm. It's the same principle. He left you right after that season to go to better things. I don't understand it. Please explain to me. Come on, man. He wanted to stay for another year. He wanted the undefeated seasons to continue. Urban was a hired gun. He came in. So was Alex everybody, Smith. Everybody knew what the deal was. He did what he was supposed to do. You don't have to be here a long time, but before you go, could you win big? He won and big they, and he moved on. And they retired Andrew Bogut's number. <laughs> Andrew yep. Bogut came for the education that he was going to get at the University of Utah. That sociology degree that he was going to get, it meant the world to him. And that's the number one reason why he came to the University of Utah. A hired gun? Who the hell isn't a hired gun, Dave? There, there you go. <laughs> he was never going to get a sociology degree. He was never going to be here long enough to get a four-year degree. <laughs> But his number's retired. Yep. And I don't see anything where there's mention of Urban Meyer. They got some pictures on the wall, I think. That's about it. He happens to be in those pictures. All right, DJ PK, uh, keep hitting us up on Twitter, David DJ James, Facebook DJ and PK. We'll get back to this. The Jazz and the Timberwolves playing twice in three days. John Krasinski, senior writer for The Athletic, covering the Wolves, joins us next. Stay with us. 
The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5, 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by John Krasinski, senior writer for The Athletic, covering the Minnesota Timberwolves and the NBA. John, good morning. Good morning, guys. How's it going? It's going well. This is going to be magical. The two NBA teams most recently sold squaring off. New owners going at it. Something's got to give, right? <laughs> Something's got to give. So what does the ownership sale mean in Minnesota? Uh, do you believe them that they're not going to Seattle? Do you think this is going to uh, change things? And like a sale in Golden State, they went from a team that couldn't win anything to a team that could win everything, uh, somewhere in between. Where's this going in Minnesota? Yeah, I mean, it, it's really just hard to say right now. These are the very early stages. The agreement isn't, isn't even necessarily signed yet, so they got to work through some things before they get it all done done. But, um, you know, whenever you have – uh, a new ownership group coming in and that ownership group is not from where you live, especially when you're in Minnesota and these guys are from New York and essentially Miami with A-Rod right now. So uh, you do worry about uh, the long-term future of the team and, you know, they can say all they want about, they won't move it. They won't move it. That's just how it always works with every franchise. And some of them do end up moving. I will say that, um, my optimism for the Timberwolves staying in Minnesota uh, and not moving to Seattle kind of is grounded less in what I hear from the ownership group and, and about their commitment to, to Minneapolis versus what you know about the landscape of the league right now. And that's that the league wants to expand to Seattle and probably Las Vegas and get some major, major expansion fees um, in the, in those deals rather than move a team out there. And so ultimately, I think that will, it, it is a much stronger kind of hold for the Timberwolves in Minnesota than anything you hear from the ownership group. As far as, you know, what it means for the success of the team, I mean, there's only one way to go, and that's up really for this franchise. So um, I think Glenn Taylor, you know, um, has been uh, owning this team for a long, long time. And it's time for a fresh perspective, a new new perspective. And I think these guys are younger. They're kind of entrepreneurial. They have all that going for them. So we'll see how it how it works out. But I think that getting some some new perspective and some fresh blood in can only help things right now for an organization that's gotten pretty stale. So on the court, you've got a uh, Minnesota team that has been uh, headed south. Now, obviously, losing Carl Anthony Towns uh, from the lineup for a long time is gonna is gonna be a big hit on talent. But do do they have enough talent? Because he's back, and it's still kind of going sideways at best. Maybe not even that well. Yeah, I mean, the the answer is probably no that they don't have enough talent. Now, I think Towns is a legit top fifteen player, fifteen to twenty player right now who can get better. Um, Anthony Edwards is really, really good as the number one overall pick, but he's super young. You have Jaden McDaniels, another 
kind of find uh, in in the first at the end of the first round who has shown a lot of promise. Also, very very young, um, but ultimately, you know, they they have their record. They should be better than what they are, but with Towns and D'Angelo Russell kind of going through their injuries and and really not playing that much together. I think they played set, uh, eleven or twelve games together now. Um, they, they just haven't been able to see the full team on the court playing together. They looked really good when they were in Utah in the second game of the season and played well and beat the Jazz then, but it's just been kind of a series of injuries and illnesses and surgeries and things like that since then. But ultimately, even though they have been missing those guys on the court, they still need a lot more talent around Towns, around Anthony Edwards. They need D'Angelo Russell to be kind of more well-rounded, and they probably need to just go out and find more shooting, find more de- defense, because they're, they're hurting in both of those categories right now. And so um, it's a team that's just kind of in the building stages. They got, I think, the second youngest roster in the league. They need to get older and more mature, but they also definitely need an influx of more talent on the roster to, to kind of become competitive in the Western Conference. This is away from basketball, but what is life for the average person living in the Minneapolis area these days? Yeah, it's been really tense, guys. I mean, um, you know, we've gone through, unfortunately, two very high-profile situations where law enforcement have killed a person of color, and it's really kind of laid open a lot of the the concerns about this community and I think about communities all over the country. And, and so we are breathing a little bit of a sigh of relief this last week when the officer who killed George Floyd, Derek Chauvin was found guilty on all three counts of, of, uh, of murdering him. But the run up to that for, for the regular citizens and especially for, for the Timberwolves who've been very active in the community and trying to, kind of shed some light on this situation has been incredibly, incredibly heavy. Had, had the verdict gone the other way, you could have been looking at a much worse situation than we even saw last summer when there was riots and looting and buildings on fire and things like that. So the verdict this week certainly did help things, but I think everyone understands that there's just so much work to be done and so many other things that have to happen um, before people start to really feel good about kind of making any sort of progress in one of the the areas um, of of our community that needs fixing the absolute most. So not that basketball is the most important thing, but that is what we're talking about. How does all that impact the Wolves? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, what we've seen from them is they have been pretty, they have been very active in certain, in kind of fostering, conversations about how do you improve the uh, aspects of, of law enforcement and dealing with and, and, and just kind of uh, working with people of color. Um, they've tried to be on the front lines of this and meeting with politicians and meeting with, um, with, with leaders of the law enforcement community and leaders of, of the minority communities and, and trying to do all that. That's hard to do guys. That's, that's exhausting work. And, and so some of that, you know, kind of does, I think, take away a little bit of their focus from basketball. Um, I do think that, again, like after these verdicts came down, you saw kind of them buoyed a little bit by it, just in, in, in terms of saying that you know, they believe that some of the work that they're doing 
is starting to shed some of that light. And so I think that that allows them to feel a little good about that work. And so then they can go to their real jobs, basketball players, and try and focus more intently on what's going on on the court. Um, It's been very up and down for them on the court, just like it's been for this community. Um, And so, you know, we're seeing a team that one, one night will look really, really good and we'll, we'll knock down threes. We'll play kind of hard nosed defense. We'll, we'll get after teams and we'll, and we'll really execute in the fourth quarter and pull out some games. And then we're looking at a team that the next night they'll get kind of blown out. They'll let a team score 45 in the first quarter and spend the whole rest of the game trying to catch up and not being able to do it. So they've been super inconsistent. They have not won two games in a row since they beat your Jazz um, the opening week, weekend of the season to go to 2-0, and and, and you, you, they just have not been able to string two good performances together. And, John, I want to make sure that I commend you because now that they're in first place, yes, they are my Jazz. That's the way I view yeah, There my, you uh, go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Trust me, man. Uh, you guys got to take, take Ws wherever any of us can get them. So that's for sure. True story. I'm wondering if the franchise, and it's going to be the change in ownership here, so I'm not sure about this, if they view Towns and Edwards in the way, or maybe this actually conjures up bad memories, the way Garnett and Marbury were viewed. Well, I mean, yeah, I think like they, I think ever since that Garnett and Marbury pairing did not work out, and it was mostly for selfish reasons on the part of Stephon Marbury, Ever since that, they've been chasing that. They've been trying to find their, you know, very kind of poor man's Stockton and Malone. They thought they had it with KG and stuff. It looked like an ideal pairing. They looked like a, 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 a pair that really complemented each other and could make this team a force in the Western Conference for years to come. Jealousy and economics got in the way of that. And, and so they've been looking for that pair ever since they haven't found it. Um, but there is, there are some indications that Edwards and uh, and and Cat could could become somewhat in that area in terms of you know you have the big man who can kind of do a lot of different things. Then you have the dynamic slashing scorer who could play off of him. They run the pick and roll together very well. When those two play together and have it humming, their two man game is a lot. To stop. I mean, ask the Phoenix Suns. I mean, the two of them combined for 83 points in that game and beat the Suns. So um, there is a hope that that these two can sort of emerge as the new leaders and just give them sort of a reliable tent pole to kind of go into every single game with and just say, hey, look, we have a pair of guys that are going to be hard for any defense in the league to stop. Um Edwards has a lot of growing up to do just because he's 19 years old. He's a great kid. He's got a ton of charisma. He's got, um, you know, he's got a load of ability, but he's just got a ways to go. So um, he's got a couple of years before he can really kind of, I think, be the solid night in and night out NBA pro. Maybe that coincides with Towns getting to be 27, 28 years old right into his prime, and that will work out. But um the hope is that those are their two guys going forward with D'Angelo Russell, who they think is you know, a dynamic shooter that can be a really good complementary piece as well. That's the hope. I think there's still plenty of doubts about whether you know, th- those three are capable 
of putting this franchise on their shoulders and carrying them out of the gutter that they've been in for so long. Well, you know how it works in the NBA. The speculation starts pretty quickly, someone of Carl Anthony Towns' ability, and he is under contract for three more years after this. But, yeah, Anthony Davis was under contract in New Orleans, too. Anybody there worried about uh, him getting uh, wedged out of there? Well, I, I do think that you know, I, no one will say that, of course, right now, because they don't, they don't want to just kind of have that out there. But they definitely have to feel the pressure of starting to – put a team around him that is going to make him want to stay. I mean, he's been here six years and he's got one playoff appearance and, you know, people can say, well, that's Carl Anthony Towns fault. He needs to be the leader and and raise the team. Yeah. But if you look at a lot of the teammates that he has had over the bulk of this outside of the one year where he had Jimmy Butler and Taj Gibson and Jamal Crawford and, 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 and had a really good team, around him, it's been pretty dry in terms of talent. And so um, they need to keep on supplementing this roster now. Edwards looks like a player. Jaden McDaniels looks like a player. Uh, he loves Ricky Rubio. He loves, um, he, he loves D'Angelo Russell. But they have to keep moving and keep showing improvement, I would say, over the next full year. Because if they don't, if they go through another season where – you know, the Timberwolves are at the very bottom of the league. And again, talking about lottery balls and things like that, then I think you need to really be worried about uh, a player saying, hey, look, I've done everything I can here. It's time to go. I don't think right now he's there. I don't think it's going to happen this summer. But the organization definitely knows that there's a sense of urgency that they got to start really making some moves here and showing towns that this is an organization and a franchise that will – kind of be on the ascension over the next three or four years into his prime, and they haven't done that yet. Last thing before we let you go, do you think it's most likely that the Jazz sweep these two games, or do you think a split is more likely? Well, yeah, I'm not sure. You know, you see so, so often, for whatever reason, no matter, you know, the talent disparities, sweeping two games is in these little mini series that get set up that's that get set up it's difficult um and so i mean i still think that the the way that the jazz are playing the as as mature as they are as as playoff ready as they are i would expect them to beat them beat the wolves twice i mean you know the wolves are just terrible defensively guys i mean at, you know, they can put together like 8 minute stretches where they play pretty well defensively and get active and and do all those things and really get into them but uh i I just think it's they're gonna have a hard time really slowing down the jazz offense keeping up with that ball movement the shooting all of that and so if i'm if i'm a betting man which i'm not i would say yeah jazz are gonna are gonna win but um you know it just for whatever reason it does seem like you know there's always a split in these back-to-backs so we'll have to see we'll have to see how it plays out but the Jazz are pretty darn good right now, and the Wolves are really not good. And so, you know, they got the work cut out for them for sure. John, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. You got it. Thanks, guys. John Krasinski, senior writer for The Athletic, covering the Minnesota Timberwolves and the NBA. Jazz and the Wolves in Utah Saturday night, 7 o'clock. And then Monday, the same two teams play again in Minnesota. David Locke, radio voice of the Jazz, coming up in one hour right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.